very honored Frater BTs, Esoterra Nerd Podcast, episode 102, in which very honored Frater RC and I uh, conclude with the second half of our conversation. If you haven't already heard episode 101, uh, you may want to do that because we jump in right at the middle of a conversation and it did probably be better to know what hour of hour and a half led to that uh, second hour and a half. But it's up to you. If you just want to listen to this one for now and maybe listen to them backwards and see what effect that has, I'm all for that. Uh, anyhow. But first... Transformation. So for those of you who are new to the Esoteric Nerd Podcast, this is the segment in which I recite my father's book that he wrote in 1976. It's called Transformations. And uh, I usually play some either Pat Metheny or Tangerine Dream I think uh, today we'll probably go with uh, Tangerine Dream Ricochet. There, there we go. That's nice. This is Transformations, Chapter 4, Verse 14. They will first blame this group, and then that group, and then this religion, and then that religion. Then they will blame drugs then pollution, then youth, then sex, then puritanism, then the bomb, then the peace creeps, then themselves. It gets boring, doesn't it? Verse 15. Then a few of them will do their Santa Claus takeaway and maybe even create living happily ever after. They will only if they get something about the flesh place and a lot of other places. Living happily or unhappily or mediocrely or extraordinarily ever after and ever after all by itself all have one thing in common. Their problems. Verse 16. Really it's not fair, except when it is. That makes it even more unfair when it's unfair, also more fair when it's fair than if it were just undifferentiated fairness or unfairness. That's what it's like in the flesh place and many other levels and places. What it's like in the white light is something else again, except that it includes what it's like here too, as entertainment. Verse 17. Anyhow, for those running around mad with reasoning, listening to, thinking in, looking at, and wishing for all in their mirrors, they will keep on a while. Only something you and I know is inevitable. It's Kali Yuga o'clock. It's really unreasonable. You and I, we know that. Verse 18. You and I watched a hamster in an exercise wheel once, running himself into an ecstasy. He ran really fast, and then hung on, and the wheel took him around, bounced up as if to start for another turn, and seesawed back and forth to a stop. 
verse 19. We watched that hamster give it another go. This time he ran and ran and ran and ran and ran. Then he hung on and the wheel gave him a ride twice. Then again it stopped. He kept hanging on, dizzy-eyed. Is that getting stuck on happily ever after? Verse 20. Anyhow, the hamster went over into the corner of the cage, burrowed into the sawdust, and hid. Verse 21. The new tape that's on is set to the time of Kali Yuga O'Clock, isn't it? Yes, you and I, we've seen it and listened to it and lived it before. Some of them didn't want to. Maybe now some of them are ready for remembering it. Verse 22. That's the thing with this old new tape, the thing that makes it seem crazy to the ones stuck in the hall of mirrors. Significance is optional. So, uh, once again, um, if you're if you've already heard episode 101, um, you know a bit about RC's uh, repertoire. Um, if, uh, if you're jumping in at the halfway mark, uh, feel free to check him out on Amazon. All you have to do is go to Amazon and search for Frater RC. That's F-R-A-T-E-R space R-C. And you'll see a plethora of uh, published materials and uh, yeah that's that's a good place to start um, but that's that's my old friend and uh, this was a conversation we had a few days back and I decided to break it into two parts just to make it interesting or just to uh, be able to do two segments or maybe to make up for the the two-year gap between uh, episode 99 and episode 100 some combination of all of these surely but I've, uh, I've gone on enough about that, and uh, so, without further ado, let's get to that interview, shall we? One of the things I'm asking myself a lot these days is as we go into um, building up towards doing the Yeats initiations and he has five mm. that will define the Celtic mysteries and one key thing I think the most brilliant thing I've done if I may say so is I've taken his adept initiation or his portal initiation and rather than making it a doorway to a whole other inner order of Celtic mysteries what I'm saying is that's the adept graduation of the order of celtic mysteries so mm. it's like you do all five initiations over five years you do these curriculums in between and then you're done you've graduated mm. it you've finished it yeah it's no, nice no to cult, have a graduation no cult potential right yeah. no chance of running a cult afterwards no one gets to be in charge you know yeah uh, permanently it's just something that can be run by the people who are going through it and then helping others go through it. And then what those people do with that afterwards, if they want to form sphere groups or just show up and do different ceremonies, because they're beautiful initiations, especially when 
you uh, see how they can be rounded off and smoothed out. The first neophyte is written by Mathers, the second one by Yates and other adepts. And together they do actually form quite this beautiful structure I've created. And the question, of course, that's constantly on my mind, as you can imagine, is how to, how to not fall into the pitfalls of, of churches, mainstream religions, and yeah. other magical orders that, that, that are keep making the same mistakes over and over again. Because I think if you can uh, nip some of that stuff in the bud, then you could actually have quite a beautiful magical system with magical people working in a group without any of, uh, with, you know, without a lot of that BS. I mean, all new mistakes, right? Like, I'm sure there's always going to be stuff, but like, ah, there's, it can be done a lot better. I mean, there's a lot of things that we could learn from churches about how they run. I mean, they, they're pretty much empty and vapid and without any sort of, living mystical traditions and practices we have magic and and power coming up the yin yang out the wazoo from from the ritual work that we have learned to do in these magical traditions i mean like anyone who who does who's very skilled with goetic evocation or enochian magic or any form of these traditions is going to be able to do some very amazing stuff in ritual work which you can't find in a church mm -hmm. right at the same time, a lot of the problems that you see happening right now in the OTO, they've just, uh, I, I'm now a manager on, on ThelemaTube. I'm now uploading videos direct on my own accord to ThelemaTube without any oversight. And that's because some people in the OTO feel like I'd be a good person to contribute to the development of Thelema, <laughs> nice, <laughs> I nice. guess. And so I, I was saying to the, the people, because the OTO just sort of put on permanent probation like I think a hundred members or more. I, 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 I may or may not have seen a list that is private mm. and I, I didn't see anything. I didn't see anything. Um, <laughs> but like, and like, so, so, you know, you have them making this huge mistake and a lot of it I believe is due to this issue of uh, gender going on with like uh, trans people and gender fluid people in, in the Ecclesia and Gnostic Catholica mm. and their, their, their mass, right? The Gnostic mass. And these are these are amateur mistakes in the church world. Yeah, right? you wouldn't you wouldn't see churches making these mistakes anymore. They sorted that stuff out to a large extent. The mainstream churches, of course, not the new fundamentalisms that are cocking everything up again. But like the mainstream churches, they're like, yeah, we don't do that. That doesn't work. That that ends in this or that or a crusade. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> like we yeah. fucked up the world trying to do it that way. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean they've got they've got new problems with like signing their names to globalization. Mm. So in the order of Celtic mysteries, which is the the real thing that drew me back in was not just you, but then uh, Eric Cisco, as we will call him. Mm. Um, you know, um, he sent me the the Yates material and was like, "Hey, you were going to do this once upon a time." And you've been working on it and running rituals for it and giving classes on it since the 90s. Do you think you might finish it? And I was like, now I might, now that I've got this information you sent me. Mm. And uh, yeah, so it was those two things together that made me realize I want to go through those rituals. And so if I have to put other people through them for five years so mm. that they can then do them and yeah. then I can go through them. That sounds like <laughs> a good way to spend age 40 to 50, in my opinion. Yeah, nice. You know? Yeah. So I'll build a thing for five years then I get to go through it and then I can, you know, die happy. Mm. And anything that gives us an excuse to get together and recite Yeats poetry is always a good, 
good thing in my opinion. Yeah. Dead Poets Society. Using Celtic paganism and druidry with Golden Dawn inner order techniques, like, can you think of, and, and entheogens, like Yates was big into hashish and peyote. Can you think of anything cooler? <laughs> like, to me, that sounds like the best way possible to spend 10 or 20 years hmm. doing that with a bunch of people who are just as into it as I am. Yeah. I don't know. It's my yoga. Nice. Well, let's see. I, I suppose it's been a few hours. <laughs> Is there anything? We've only, we've only done an hour and a half. Oh, we have? Oh, oh okay. Yeah. I, I, uh, I think uh, I'm going to have to edit this out later because I'm going to have to run to the little boy's room here. Uh, How about I just pause it? We yeah, yeah. It. You, you pause yours and I'll edit mine later or I'll leave it in. I you can know. hit pause on yours too. Oh, I can? Yeah, just hit pause. Mm. Yeah, we usually have to take a break because, you know, I like to push people to their limits. Good old Scorpio Ascendant. I wasn't, I thought you might like, and uh, I struggled with it because I haven't really even listened to it in years. And I retranscribed the lyrics from a, a song from 14 years ago. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, I'm going to sing you a song. Okay. Just for you. No one else, no one else is allowed to hear it. Oh, I, I shouldn't this, record this. Is something, this is something you asked for. No, you, I'm joking. <laughs> oh, 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 okay. I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah, no, definitely record it. All right. You ready for this? Yeah. In this darkly splendid world, I went to make my way one day through the dark night like a child. I set out to find the one true way on the forest dew damp lawn. By the Abbey Agnes mountainside, woke up to the golden dawn. And to tell a sty, I learned to cry. And when all the phantoms vanish, and I see the formless fire, as we dance within the moonlight, naked in nature's empire. In the vault of light, I heard the whisperings of some god now known like a lover's gentle word. I knew that it was time now to atone for the sweethearts that I'd wronged, for the sorrows of Isis who seeks, for the kisses that belong upon only one true lover's cheek. My love, my heart did die, oh my love, my heart did die, oh my love. My heart did die, oh my love. Sweetheart, please hear my sigh. Into darkness we must go to initiate all we can be. My true love, I was no. Open your eyes now and come with me for the sweat her body's shared. For the wine and bread your body is. Please, my story, no, I care. Aphrodite, goddess, you're my bliss. And when all the phantoms vanish and I see the formless fire, as we dance within the moonlight, naked in nature's empire, and old Enoch rose above, but he had not yet seen your face. Now I'm trapped between your love 
And the other side filled up with grace. So let's dance into the night. Round the fire of our passion's flame, this truth we cannot fight. We cannot deny our lover's name. There you go. Woo! I, I cut out all the repetitions and stuff like that. Darkly splendid world. You asked me to, to do that for you for years. And, and, uh, <laughs> I can't play instruments in my current environment more than once a month. Mm. Uh, or something like that. There, I have uh, fill in excuse of your choice. <laughs> <laughs> But there you go. There you nice. Go. That, that, and that there's my, you know, that was from 2006. So when I was starting to uh, wrestle and, and, and go through, starting to uh, contemplate and what I had been through in the Golden Dawn, which was just, uh, it was such a treat, but also such a ordeal, I mean, right? Mm. Indeed. I mean, how long were you in it all together? Like uh, 18 and a half years jesus mm. yeah but only seven years seem like nothing only about 15 of that was in the the real cult <laughs> well that's the thing i mean it's it it started to go that way and i guess it went really hardcore that way towards the end and that's when people I mean, california about, it was it was more that way in the beginning like california had its own story where canada i mean uh, ka was he knew what it was like in California, but he created a different thing. Like, um, yeah. 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 No, Nineveh Shadrach, as they now call him is, Mm. I think always had a quite a, a healthy view towards how magical orders should run. And he's changed his group's name many times over the years because they understand it's not about creating some eternal human. Right. uh, Edifice. It's a, it's about, it's about, finding a group of people set towards a specific task and and mission and completing that mission and then coming back together and reforming in a different way after that whether it's with the same people or not and i think that's a very healthy model for magical orders to follow yeah well it's like corporations used to be a group of people uniting their purses to build a bridge for the town and then it would dissolve after they the bridge was finished and that was kind of a a very sweet, you know, it's, it made sense. But then, you know, they said, well, let's uh, just never dissolve it and also make it swallow the whole world. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that brings us full circle to <laughs> the, the globalism we see happening now, which I always say, I really hope, I really hope aliens are, it's the, I hope, I hope the reason this is happening is because of aliens. If aliens all just show up and we're like, yo, we were just preparing you for us, wouldn't that make all this crap worthwhile? <laughs> yeah. Gordon used to say that the LA basin looked like it was ready for the mothership to just like pick it up. <laughs> like it was just waiting. Everybody like praying to the aliens, come and take us away. Do you have a, 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 a story? Do you have you an alien sighting story? Like, like some people do. Not really. I, there was one time there was this purple light that was moving beside the car and it didn't make sense and uh you know but other than that nothing that i've really seen i mean of course like going into certain types of trance and half asleep states and communing with beings 
It could be interdimensional, it could be psychological, it could be a number of things. Um, but yeah, I've, I've had the feeling that I was connecting with consciousness that was intelligent but not human in the past, but no, nothing that I've seen, no, I mean, I, I, other people's stories, I always say there's, there's this other st story that wasn't mine that I always tell because it was such a compelling story. Um, and the way it was told, like, had me like, damn, this really went down. And this is pr some pretty solid evidence that there's UFOs, you know. But, um, but my dad was way into it. He and his mom used to go to Giant Rock, where uh, I think that that dome is now out in the desert, uh, the Integratron. My grandma helped pay for that um, when Tassard, whatever his name was, was uh, the guy that owned that land. Every So they would show up in the like in the 40s and the early 50s and um, spend the night there and just look up at the sky and wait for the aliens. So that's interesting. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Into all that stuff. Was it, was it, was it your mom that joined the Golden Dawn before you? Or did no, you we, we joined the same day. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Right? Yeah. We were, uh, we were doing Wicca and my mom found the flyer and that's uh, what we were doing me and yeah. my mom were doing wicca and when ka interviewed uh me the second time with my mom to sign waivers they tried to get her to join and she said no and driving back i was like why didn't you join she's like oh i didn't want to make it your thing into my thing as well hmm. and i was i remember thinking like that i had a lot of respect for her for doing that though i wouldn't have minded at all actually she right. would have been allowed to participate fully Actually, I would have probably been allowed to participate in all the group classes that first year if she had joined because I would have had a parent there. Whereas yeah. I, as a result, I had to have private lessons for the first year, which worked out fine for me. I had no problem with that mm. um, because they didn't want a 15-year-old around all this adult shenanigans, right? Right. Once I was 16, it was another issue because in Canada, 16 is the age of consent and you're, it's a different legal status. I know that's not the same in the States. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, in 16 in Canada, if someone's like propositions me after class and I was like, yeah, let's rock and roll, completely legal. In the States, you got some like 25-year-old propositioning a 16-year-old after some magic class. Right. It's that's, a big... a, that's a big deal in the yeah. States. Yeah. In Canada, that's just two consenting adults. Hmm. Um, so that's a, that's a, that was what was going on there. But I, yeah, she did join eventually, of course, when she saw how much it did for my life. I mean, that's something that one of the reasons I still talk about, I think, the Golden Dawn in, in such a positive way is because I had 90% of it was a very positive experience mm. that turned my life around. Like I went from the, you know, within, within a, a month of joining, I went from being a straight F student in school to breaking every academic record we had. Mm. And nice. I just did a complete 180 mm. or whatever the math is. That's 180, yeah. So I bought a special <laughs> bottle of wine for this because this is a big deal for me, man, talking with you again. It's been so long and it's so hard to have these kinds of, of long conversations these days. You got a special bottle of weed for this. You have a <laughs> bottle of weed? When, it happens to be in a jar. Well, you should smoke some. Have you done DMT yet? Yeah, back in 11. Um, that was my year where I... I ripped out. I, I felt like I was moving through the years. And at that time I was in 76. I was in 2011. I experienced what the world was going through in 1976. 
And I think I might be getting close to arriving at where I actually am. I don't know if I have done that yet. I, I think I might be somewhere in the 80s. But uh, anyway, I'm half half joking, but. You're like Benjamin Button on a spiritual path. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't even know what I was, what, what was I talking about? Oh yeah, DMT. I, I wrote a bunch of poetry. Um, my God, yeah, I, I did that a number of times. And uh, it, it, it resulted in my being here in India, actually. I The, the fourth time I did it, I, uh, I had this strong sense that if I kept going, you know, working in that office, being unhealthy, uh, being involved in the soap opera of the Golden Dawn at that time, that I would kind of die an early death and uh, that I needed to focus on yoga and meditation. And I got this, this strong phrase, in India, there are people who know how to be human properly. And so that, that kind of became a beacon in my mind. And, and I started to, to, to talk more and more about wanting to go to India for a long period of time. And it, uh, uh, well, it eventually led to my being here, you know, like kind of getting myself into a, a position where there was nothing holding me back and, uh, and just buying a ticket. And, uh, oh man, I was so close to getting to your wedding because I was already in Europe. I was, I was so close. <laughs> if I hadn't had my bank account hacked, oh baby, I would have been there. Oh yeah, but oh, yeah, man. what's the, there's the the cliche of what it's like for a Westerner, especially like an LA boy from Pasadena, some like blonde-haired <laughs> dude named Edward going yeah. move into India. But but that's the cliche we can all imagine with a smile. What's the reality like? Well, it's interesting because there's there's this other American who met me at the grocery store, and uh, just in case he's listening to this, I mean, hi Dale. Um, but, uh, but he's, <laughs> he's, he's from Georgia and he's like a bit older than me. And it's, it seemed like he was assuming that he and I were exactly the same person because we were both American. I'm like, wow, you know, <laughs> like if we met in the U S like we, we'd be like, what, like, what, what do you have in common? You know, like certainly not this or that, but, uh, but no, I mean, yeah, like most people who end up here are at least oriented in a particular way, like a particular direction. Um, you know, most of them are the people that are obviously they love Indian culture and Eastern uh, paths of thinking and, and spirituality, generally speaking. But obviously, there's the bros. There's the there's a there's there's a spectrum of uh, you know exactly how people are oriented uh, as far as that goes. And uh, and I came to like in in 2011 2012. That was when I kind of put out, I, I added like thousands of people in the yoga community around the world. And that included Piyu uh, Priyal, who I ended up married to when I came to India. Um, so obviously I'm very glad that I did that, but it also made me realize that I have nothing in common with uh, maybe 60% of the the new age and yoga people. Like I, uh, I thought that when I left Golden Dawn, I was like, well, I'll just, delve into this and surely this will be you know the thing and and then i realized oh shoot i i don't even like these people you know like most of them <laughs> i don't know but then some of them are cool and i'm glad that i that i that i put my feelers out to see who these people were because i ended up knowing uh at least a handful of people that i wouldn't have known otherwise so sort of like how i went from golden dawn to well there was overlap 
but into the mainstream Christian church world, you went into the yogic world. Yeah. We both found out those groups of people are just as fucked up as every other group of people. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Certain <laughs> things are that... universally human. Yeah. As in being fucked up, like yeah. we're all fucking sinners, however you want to phrase it. Yeah. <laughs> all just a bunch of kids running around trying to figure shit out. And we realize that more than ever today that, that our, our, there's no adults in the, on the planet, essentially. It seems like yeah. all the adults have checked out. And then you're like, maybe there were never was any adults. And I think that might be true. That might yeah. Be true. Well, it seems like in the 80s, they were making movies where the kids were all, they knew what was going on and the adults didn't know. And it was like this fun fantasy everybody would have. What if the adults were totally clueless and the kids were the only ones that knew that there was aliens running around? And then during that same decade and 70s, you had that question authority bumper sticker. And uh, but now you have <laughs> both of those things have gone to such an extreme that the whole thing's folded inside out on itself where the, the adults in the room are there and they're just trying to patiently explain what's going on while everybody else is like, eh, just because you <laughs> have all these, the, the, this PhD doesn't mean you know what you're talking about. Well, it, it actually does though. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is it less of a, do you find it to be a more spiritual culture at its root? In India in or, yeah. or, or today as opposed in to India. the 80s? Um, well, yes. I mean, it's magically, uh, like when, um, uh, like there's magic everywhere, like, uh, in, uh, the way that people live their lives. Um, I mean, like a traditional family that, uh, in, um, in, in the U S traditional means Christian. And there's a certain magical element to that, believing that Jesus is going to save them from hell. It's certainly a very magical kind of thinking. But, and, but, but in, in, in India, traditional means uh, when the child is getting married, then you consult the priest and the astrologer, and they yeah. look at the, you know, so, so there's, and, and if, if they're like, well, they're almost perfectly compatible, except for this one thing. So the bride needs to wear gold and, uh, you know, sapphire, and the groom needs to wear an emerald. And we need to light a fire at 5 a.m. when Jupiter is over there and, and, and do this two-hour prayer to these particular set of gods. And then, then that'll iron out any complications that might come up in the marriage later on. So that's about as magical as it gets. That's like, that's, that's, that's living in a, magic. Yeah. And that's not even in a cult. That's just uh, in a village that's a, where, that's, where that's, Cult, that's Indian culture. That's the structure, yeah. And yeah. then, and so people come from that and maybe move to the city and, 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 and move away from that. But that's kind of everybody's grandparents and everybody's cousins back home. Um, so that's really interesting. And there's differences from north to south, from east to west. Uh, there's, so we had like a southern uh, Tamil style wedding, which is when we came to Mysore, we were showing them the pictures and they were saying, oh, well, you were, sh you were standing over there. You should have been standing over there. And it was like, oh, well, that's how they do it down there. And that's not that far away from Mysore. So, so the, it varies from uh, region to region. Like it, it, it's anybody's guess what, whether they would have even come together as one big country if it hadn't been for the intervention of outside, uh, outside forces. They could have just divided up and said, okay, I'll, this state will actually be its own country. Um, 
and so and so so Hindi is kind of the national language, but everybody is expected like if you really want to go anywhere, then you really ought to learn English. But then there's the people that are that are like, what we shouldn't be thinking that way. We should make Hindi our national language. Uh, Japan, China, and Germany uh, don't they don't expect everybody to learn English, but they're successful. But it's like, yeah, but they were also kind of assholes at, at you know at least at least once where India doesn't they don't. Uh, try to conquer the world ever or try to colonize the world it's just not on the on the agenda for for india so so it, it kind of makes sense to learn one of the lingua franca at least uh to uh to succeed uh on the, on the world stage but um yeah i don't know the, these are interesting things to go hmm about but it's it's uh uh yeah so there's there's a whole spectrum of from rich to poor from city from urban to rural there's uh there's there's black magicians there's uh the agori there's all kinds of interesting uh you know there's a spectrum of of the, what became of of tantra um there's a uh, th there's of course all the western the the things that are here for for the interest of the westerner like iskon the the hari krishna um uh, cults that uh, they're in every every country. There's always stories about them and their shenanigans. Uh, I think I I did an interview that it turned out it didn't record, but it, so that was really sad. Um, but it was all about uh, th that they, there was a a woman that was really good at recruiting, and she was Indian, but she was living in Colombia. And they said you're going to move to California, and in order to do that, we're going to have you marry this guy. And then, but you're never going to talk to him. And, but then they snuck out and had a daughter. And so I interviewed that daughter or, or she and I interviewed her dad about the experience. And so, but, it, but it didn't record. That would have been such a great episode. Um, so that's oh, yeah. based in India. Oh, the, the Baha'i, uh, we have the, uh, there's this big, lo the Lotus temple in, in Delhi. Um, it's very interesting when you get into all the, the Sikh, the Jainist, the, uh, the, there's a lot of the, the, the Sikh. It turns out they do like fire dances and have parades with music and shouting in the middle of the night, and uh, and and the kids sword fight, at, like play sword fight, and uh, and and you know that I didn't didn't know about that, you know, until I was living in a Sikh neighborhood in Delhi. Um, so yeah, there's just a lot of interesting stuff. Uh, some some of it is very magical though, like uh, when the guy opens his his cigarette stand in the morning and he lights his candle to the little picture of Lakshmi on the side of the 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 you know table he brings out with him and uh, you know you, you don't you don't buy cigarettes from him until he's finished with his like twenty one times moving his incense in a circle and bowing to the to the statue of the goddess of wealth to to help him with his uh business that day like and it's real for them it's like they're not putting it on yeah. this is they're they're living in that world so it, so it's very nice it's actually that that aspect of it like nobody thinks it's that weird that i have a a shrine to jesus lakshmi buddha and uh you know everyone else here like it, it it's you know, where in U.S. it was like, oh, you're into this kind of thing. It's like, of course you're into this kind of thing. This is part of life, you know, it's, it's. Yeah, uh, you're just being a good citizen. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, in, in living I, in the temple, walking around, bowing at people with a white robe on, you know, for all those years. So it, like, like it, uh, you know, it feels very 
natural and very comfortable. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's very interesting. You know, <laughs> I, I wanted to tell you like a few years back or 10 years back, I went online and I found a bunch of articles and stuff. And like here, one of them says, Kamalapati Tripathi's great grandson gives Congress hope. And then it's like talking about um, this politician, Lalitesh Tripathi, sitting in Congress MLA for Marihan Assembly segment in the Mirzapur district. And I'm like, that dude was my buddy at the Waller School in North Vancouver. Oh, wow. Yeah, right. So like I we always thought of him as just that Indian stoner kid, Lolly, mm-hmm. like Lollipop. And then when he graduated, he's like, so I'm going to go back to India and get an arranged marriage and get millions of dollars and take my title as Prince Lalitesh Tripathi. And we were like, what the fuck are you saying, Lolly? <laughs> we're like, Lolly, sit down. You're stoned. We don't care if it's your high school graduation. Get your ass down, you stoned motherfucker. And now he, he's an Indian politician or became an Indian politician. And it's like, sure wow. enough, he's a prince or something and uh i always i've stayed in touch with some of the, his siblings they're triplets and they're and their last name's tripathi how do you like that <laughs> triplets, nice. tripathi. but um I've, I've stayed in touch and always been fascinated by their their family story of because there's the caste system right so i think that it was the dad that that violated that and married a foreign woman so he was mm. outcast and then raised his kids in waller school in vancouver and but the kids had a, had the option of going back and having uh, what well, I don't know much about the caste system, but I do know it's deeply tied into the ideas of karma and not karma as we sort of distort it in Western New Ageism, but karma in the sense of it's like regulated your karma if you're uh, on this class and you you do really well and, and then you get to move up one class, but if you're uh, if this class you move down, yeah. so it's like a doesn't that. Like a, doesn't that strike you as like some sort of really obvious social control Yeah, mechanism? I mean, that was supposedly that with the, the people from present day um, Iran, who they call the Aryans, not to be confused with Hitler's Aryans, but- Yeah, um, no, or Blavatsky's. They, they kind of brought down the Sanskrit and the Vedas as far as I know. I'm, I mean, if, if, if every person in India heard me say that I'm sure each of them would have something to say about it or they'd have a that's not proven or that's you know like oversimplified or you know this kind of thing people have their point of view about it but um they basically brought the the religion and made the caste system with themselves at the top like everybody needs to listen to us and our wisdom that we bring to you you know this is the caste system where the brahmins listen to everything we're saying and so even in South, uh, Pew was asking like that, uh, you know, where people have darker skin, the Brahmins have a little bit lighter skin. It's like, well, yeah, the, the Aryans made themselves, you know, the, 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 the priest class that rules them all, you know, I mean, it, it's kind of a, yeah, it's, it, it, there was some, I forget the name of the, the, an ancient Indian philosopher that said that there's, you know, five kinds of people and uh, but he wasn't saying that they that there's five kinds of people like five kinds of families or five kinds of DNA or something. It got, it got interpreted that way. There, it, it, something similar happened, I think, in 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 Western, uh, where they uh, they did something similar, and it became like a, the basis of a concept of class or a concept of like racial hierarchy or something like that. But but uh, 
yeah the like the the warrior the farmer the uh the priest and so on and so forth the and then the untouchable yeah, yeah we had we we did have that same structure in the christian west i mean mm. a lot of the christmas songs charles carl was the middle class the the people who aren't slaves and they're not nobility they're in between the middle class the the, the charles <laughs> interesting and then they yeah then along came charlotte you know charles martel Char charlemagne and all that uh so it was like joe bob you know like king joe bob king king middle class king not quite nobility oh, yeah, <laughs> so people Charlemagne famously, with that. I mean, Char Charlemagne's sort of the reason we all learn to read. You know, he was the first mm. ruler to say that everyone needed to learn how to read, mm. and he created schools and stuff like that for people to learn how to read. Yeah, you know, that's aside great. from just genociding populations of his enemies and all that usual. Jazz. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Have you shared much uh, Golden Dawn magic or Western Hermetic magic with uh, with Pew at all? A little bit. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, not the parts that I'm not it? interested in. Um, she, she likes, I mean, she's not like, you know, you know, wanting to like, uh, start on the path or anything, but, but she, she respects it. Like, you know, as for what it is. Um, well, I'm curious on the perspective, like, cause it's always interesting. Like this last year in California, I saw a lot of magic being done by mm. the fellowship of ISIS and the, Temple of Isis, which grew out of, uh, you know, this Irish clonical castle tradition fused with a California uh, BOTA through uh, Granny Rainbow, who created the Union Temple of Isis in the 70s. Mm. And, you know, they're doing uh, essentially, you know, pagan goddess worship, what some would call low magic. So really structurally it's, it's quite high magic because it's quite religious in its in its symbolism as opposed to just like hoodoo or, or uh, some of the other techniques I mean you know you know the techniques we're referring to that have to do with material objects and, and purposeful gain as opposed to just spiritual purification and ascension and development of your soul right that's sort of the distinction we see and there's definitely things that I'll see in other magical traditions that strike me as really powerful and effective and things that just seem like window dressing that I don't really need or care too much about. Yeah. So I'm curious for, for someone like your Indian wife who wasn't raised in the West or in, brought up as kids in our magical tradition as we were, is there stuff that strikes her? Do you know if there is there is she, is she like well, she, the Enochian stuff's really cool or the Egyptian yeah. uh, hermetic stuff? Is there anything that she finds? I'm curious what people find interesting when they're embedded in another culture and coming from a very different tradition. Right. Well, she in particular, uh, her her parents were into Osho and uh, and Buddha. Oh no way. Yeah, yeah. So so Osho com coming from that. Uh, not exact. So, but the family was traditional Hindu. So everybody knew all the traditional Hindu things of the region. And uh, but then, then coming from more of a new age, you know, uh, uh, you know, position here in India, uh, Christianity has come to to be very interesting for her. Um, so I've I, I've encouraged you know her to do whatever she likes, but I've introduced also Gnostic the Gnostic uh, view, and uh, 
and uh, through like the various YouTube sources, she's kind of navigated her way through, um, you know, learning the spectrum and realizing, oh, wow, this guy's really full of shit, you know, this kind of thing. And, uh, and, and I, so I've gotten to, ex you know, slowly explain, well, evangelism, it can mean, uh, and uh, the, the ancient use of the word is the, uh, the person who goes and converts people. And the modern use of the word is it's the Americans who support Trump, <laughs> you know, and, and they meet in big halls and, and, and get people on TV to give them thousands of dollars. They're the evangelists. So it's like she's, she's, she's at the point where she understands all, a lot of the different uh, subtleties of, of that kind of thing. Um, oh, yeah. Well, and it's, so, it's actually really not straightforward, is it? Right, right, right. So, so, but the Catholicized Golden Dawn practice that I do from memory, she likes, like, she likes the incense. She likes the way that, you know, my singing, as she'll say. Um, but when I do healing work, everybody that I've done healing work on really feels like I, that none of them say, hmm, yeah, I didn't get much out of that. Like, it's, they always, <laughs> they always love the healing work that I do. Like, like, uh, Good like, old hermetic healing still works. Right. Eh? Like I, I yeah. think for one, in one case it trumped, um, you know, Indian black magic. Like I, I was like, you don't need to go to a, you know, you don't need to have someone go remove this curse. You just have to like, let me do some work with you in the circle. And, uh, and, and they said, well, yeah, the pain's gone. The, you know, thank you. And uh, so, so that's yeah. been, you know, that's nice. I, I, I don't do that a lot. I do it from time to time, but that's, that became, that became my focus in the end. Like, so I'm not really into all this elemental or planetary stuff. Like I just focus on kind of the vault current and the RC current, the, you know, the, the Rose cross current and, uh, and the I know you're invoking me on a daily basis, <laughs> but, but I like, I like you have talking. have a picture of me. On your altar, <laughs> I like talking me. at times about all the other stuff, but but as far as what I do ritually, I uh, you know it's down to that. Just Yeshua uh, Mihi Omnia. Yeah, basically, basically. But yeah. I I also have my Lakshmi shrine, you know. But uh, and you know, and and I've got my Vajrayana stuff going on over there. So so I don't know. I like to keep it. Um, a little bit uh, personalized, I guess. Like a, like a priest would come in and maybe disapprove of what I've got going on, but you know what I mean. Oh, like, here's another interesting thing you might that that you might find fascinating, given what you just said. So, like, there's been this movement in the occult world I've discovered towards using the grimoires as grammars, which is what sort of means or grimoire mm. means, as for very specific magical processes to evoke spirits and, and get favors from spirits or talk to angels and all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. Right. But then the academics came along because they've been getting into this stuff, into occultism. And they're like, actually the grimoires were not a strict grammar, but more as suggested ways of contacting certain spirits. And once you contacted the spirit, and had direct contact you didn't need the grimoire so much anymore because you mm. were learning from the spirit directly so the academics like dr sophie page and a bunch of all of them they all agree on this because it's it's actually true this is how the grimoires worked and how the magicians would use them was to get in touch with spirits and then develop their own techniques and relationships after that mm. they weren't always going back to the same fundamental practices over and over and over again like because as if they skipped a step something bad would happen or it wouldn't work yeah. not at all and that's something that i've always considered to be very true because of how we were taught like we learned all the basic 
Golden Dawn practices, we worked them ad nauseum. We put them in our diaries. We wrote, I did this many of this and on this time and on this day. And then you do that for years. But over that course of time, we developed other things, right? And the rituals that you and I probably use the most are ones that aren't in any books that are yeah. the ones that developed over a couple decades of our order developing things from essentially the grimoire corpus of material in the golden dawn tradition Am it's I like right? a notoricon like it only has power uh in you know in what it's an abbreviation of so like if you have if you get everything down to 20 notoricons and then you get them down to one notoricon then that notoricon might have the power of all those years of uh you know like it's like the password to the computer that has all the filing system already in it that's the idea. <laughs> yeah yeah that's definitely the idea of a magic um, word yeah ararita yeah. like or or uh you know anything like that lvx yeah the the super code the superscripts that mm. they give you access to the the code language yeah yeah <laughs> very interesting what do you what do you what do you think of this whole like occult revolution that's happening in the world like you know there's an argument that people turn to magic and superstition at certain times in history how do you mm -hmm. think magic and occultism is influencing us at the current stage in history hmm. like what why is it why is it showing up again is it because we've all turned into a bunch of uneducated anti-intellectual dumbasses who can't talk to people that disagree with us or is there something else at play? Because history doesn't actually ever repeat itself. History right. has cycles, but no two things ever happen the same way, not once. Hmm. So there's always in a repetition, the opportunity for something new because the repetition is never a repetition. It is always the return to something that is now different than it was before. Yeah, I mean, in, in the case of the US, I think uh, part of it could be seen to be, you know, on the one hand, you have people looking at the way that everybody thinks and saying, um, we need people to think, you know, in a more evolved way and think that, you know, if, for example, that black people and white people should have equal opportunities and that one doesn't need to be kept out of the pool of the other. And, uh, and so they try to, get everybody to think that way or they try to like okay in the media we'll have these examples put and we'll make sure this is shown at or whatever it is we'll 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 institute this uh law and this policy here and and try to get everybody to think that way so the people that are resisting thinking the way that they're trying to get them to think are it became very angry and hostile and and they felt like uh they were being oppressed by uh by 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 an organized and intelligent you know borg like entity and so that phenomenon um resulted in the current bipolarification where the people that that have woven it into their identity that they agree with and accept that there are certain truths that were unearthed in the 1960s which we must now live by and then there are the people that disagree with that. And, and, uh, and so 
that's the current conflict as far as I can see it. Uh, but as far as how the occult has gotten into the mix, I think part of that is because of the proliferation of media and the, uh, uh, you know, for mediums, for example, like YouTube and Netflix and uh, where, you know, I mean, more than 13 or more than however many there used to be of the, uh, of the big network produced uh, shows that everybody watched. Now there's millions. Now people can drift one way or the other from from one interest into another. They can start interested in you know one thing and end up and then to watch learning about the occult or at least by way of conspiracy theories, becoming familiar with the Freemasons and. Uh, and, and there's a lot of people that are raised Christian that uh, will become interested in anything that pushes any buttons about, uh, uh, fear buttons about the book of Revelation. So you, obviously there's a lot of symbolism of the book of Revelation and the, for example, the Catholic church, people used to say the Pope was the Antichrist and you know, it was perfectly you know, reasonable to the fundamentalist American of old, but now you know, they can look toward the Freemasons or they can look toward um, you know, uh, it, any secret groups and the, the, the concept of Lucifer, the concept of this or that, um, it gets supercharged when people are coming from fear and Christianity, I think. But it comes in upside down, and then they might have a perverse interest and start to and start to say, "I'm going to embody this." But then they might flip back again and say, "Oh, I went. The devil, you know, tricked me, and now I'm back." And you know, Jesus is. So I've seen all that stuff kind of, you know, in the YouTube stream as, as Pia was, was navigating the whole spectrum. I wouldn't have, you know, known about it if, if it weren't for her interest. I'm more interested in Eastern things. So it's kind of like an interesting <laughs> yin-yang thing where I'm more, uh, more able to point out the, uh, the uh, subtleties between the different lineages of the, the Tibetan uh, tantric yoga Buddhism traditions as opposed to uh, the different types of Christians. Like I, well, it I, sounds I, like a good match. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. She's good. like, I want to know all about your. Tell me about your homeland, Moadib. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you're like, I just want to know about you, Shani, because girl, you're <laughs> hot stuff. <laughs> She's like, ah, shucks. We just know the secret of the universe. I want to hear about the ocean and the waters and this and and the celebrity gossip <laughs> yeah did you keep in touch with many people um from the uh the old days mm, not really um i mostly down to about two people that i talked to on a regular basis um and then uh but i mean i'll, I'll keep in touch with most people like if it takes me five days to get back there's like rings of people from blocked to unfriended to, to the five-day waiting period before they get a response to the two-day waiting period and then there's the people that i instantly respond so it's like i mean just for my own sanity i have to do it that way because in the past i always was was uh was quick to re respond. If I didn't respond to my students right away, then of course I'd get a call, Frater, I understand you're not getting back to your students. I'd be like, God damn it. So, so I, I, I became you're, very neurotic. Yeah, I, I became very neurotic about answering the phone when it would <laughs> ring or calling it back right away. So now I, I definitely don't do that. Frater, <laughs> I, frater, I, <laughs> I think you're backsliding. I think you're backsliding, Frater. Yeah, no. <laughs> oh gosh yeah well you know uh you're definitely top on my list of 
people to visit along with, um, I mean, Austin, Texas. I want to see Jeff and mm -hmm. Jeff Contreras. Like a lot of people from our order went off and are running very successful orders that are doing quite well. And that's mm -hmm. something interesting. I sort of often see us as like this very large international seedbed for a lot of really good things that sprung out of it, you know? Right. Because I mean, the GD Collegium Spiritus Sancti, the GDCSS, they're still doing their thing. And I, I just had on the podcast a few months ago, uh, Aug Augustin Reyes. Mm. Mm. And you know him, like he joined, I think literally the year after we were gone. And so he went up and like then, and he's even on hiatus, but they've got a whole slew of adepti running a functioning order. Yeah, that's good. Uh, who are trained by people that we trained. And so the tradition just keeps trucking on whether we care or not, right? Yeah. Just, <laughs> that's what's interesting about it to me. Yeah. Um, and Je Jeff Contreras is, in, have, is one of the top guys at Sodalitas Rosea Crucis, which along with Tommy Westland has a whole outer order Golden Dawn training system that's apparently very highly rated. Samuel Robinson of the... Uh, uh, what's it called? Pansofers.org rates it uh, five stars. It's the only one he rates five stars because he goes through on his website and he rates all the Golden Dawn orders with stars. <laughs> and like, like, I think it's hilarious. My mom actually went through Portal, her Portal initiation with Tom, with Robinson mm. and Martin. Um, so that means she actually got initiated into Portal not through our order, which she was trained in, but with Sam Robinson through Zaleski's order uh, tradition and lineage. And Zaleski, of course, along with Nick Farrell, is, 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 those are two of the adepts that were brought in through the Fare Ra in New Zealand, which goes back to Falcon. So that's the actual unbroken lineage from WB8 and the original order and the Stella Matutina side. Isn't that interesting? Like that yeah. stuff was actually going on. So because there was this for for decades, it seemed like there was this popular narrative that the Golden Dawn had faded out. And today, the most common thing people say to me is, uh, "I heard the Golden Dawn didn't exist anymore and hasn't for for fifty, sixty years." And I'm like, "Oh, honey, no. Yeah, <laughs> no. The problem isn't that it doesn't exist anymore. The problem is that there's almost." too much of it and some of those groups are a little bit too vocal for their own good right mm, yeah isn't that fascinating like we we had no idea really about the integrity of of a lineage tradition that was continued on of course they were highly they were see that's one thing about you talk about our order being a little bit catholicized in the inner order it was nothing man it was nothing compared to the christianization of the stella matutina through the new zealand temple and the fade ra tradition mm. that was like that's super Christian. It would put us to shame. Hmm. Um, and apparently Nick Farrell does some of one of the initiations. He swapped out the set of gods that was used from Egyptian to uh, Greek. Um, what, I think it's the, Theor is it the Theoricus initiation. Yeah. Or maybe it was the Kibiri. I think he removed the Kibiri of the Samothracian mysteries out of practice and put in Greek gods like Diana or Aphrodite and stuff like that. I just heard hmm. that through the grapevine. Um, but that's interesting, isn't it, hey? Yeah, I mean, I guess they could be Zeus, Persephone, and uh, Apophis or something like that. But hmm. I mean, people don't like me saying this, but I, I'm, I consider myself a traditionalist. I like, I like or the, Hades. Uh, I, yeah, I like, I like the, I don't know anything about Hades. Um, 
I like the tradition of the the Kabiri and the Samothracian mystery. Oh, me I too. I, we, yeah, we don't know much about it. I love yeah. the Kabiri because we just do know so little about it. And I've studied it academically, and even academically, we don't know much about it. Mm. And uh, the texts from the Corpus Hermeticum are beautiful. The way they're interwoven into the initiation. Yeah. You agree, right? Yeah. Do you have a favorite initiation to perform as an officer or as a hierophant? Or what, oh what yeah. Favorite? Well, my favorite um, as a hierophant was probably the uh, philosophers. The uh, as a mm. as a hieris, I always liked being teamed up with Alex with Alex as hierophant, and I'd be hieris. Um, but I, I mean, I could do a good. I was usually imitating him though when I when I was doing practicus. Uh, Alex was an, uh, is an amazing magician. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah, it was always fun when he would do. I loved his the way he. I loved the way he did hierophant, especially. Yeah, you know, just such a. It takes a marine to make an initiate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then I guess the, the theorcus a... is cute. I don't know. The theorcus is like, you can smoke a you know well it's a you, you light some. Uh, uh, what's it called copal you'd like uh flood the place with copal and uh i don't know it was sort of psychedelic it was it was it was always fun to do it the orcus initiation but i always felt like the practicus and the philosophers were very serious and and uh a little bit more demanding especially if you were going to try to do it from memory we, well that was that was i mean there was a period there was periods where things weren't done from memory but definitely most of the time i think the move towards having it all memorized was was more more of the trend. Right? Yeah, you know, if, if you were if you were if you were a hierophant and you failed to memorize your lines, no one was gonna like insult you for not for you needing a text. Mm. But yeah, people there was a lot more respect and... if you memorized your lines. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, because you could transport people into a place that can only come from sacred drama and theater. That uh, I mean, like when you're watching a good movie, you don't see Doctor Who looking at his lines, you know, when he's taking you to another world or something. If he did, yeah, it'd no. suck. <laughs> yeah. It wouldn't be the same. Yeah, no, I mean, I can understand why it's hard. Like, it's very hard to, given the rigorous schedule. Like, if you're in Freemasonry, you're just doing the initiations, but yeah. the Golden Dawn you have all these rituals you're doing in between, like just mm. hundreds of hours of rituals and and you can't memorize everything. I'm sorry, you just can't memorize everything. Yeah. Um, so, it, 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 and it's not, I don't think it affects the energy in a major way, even the-, even the, the Well, and there's the idea like, of like- Don't like memorize the, everything. The priest uses, what is it, the missile or the- like? And yeah, the missile. It's the well, idea that- that was a big argument. It's because it, it doesn't come from the priest; it comes from the tradition, and then so it's written in the book. And so to have the book there as a as a symbol, you know, it, it, then people realize that they're part of a something that's ongoing or something. I don't know. I, it sounds like bullshit to me. <laughs> <laughs> do you think? Um, do you think there's going to be Golden Dawn in fifty years? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There'll be just more, more of. I mean, there's. There, I didn't even realize D and D was having a comeback. Now I feel like a a trendster. But. Uh, oh yeah, you're so trendy. I was actually I uh, I went for a walk earlier to do a bunch of errands and uh, was looking into like 
cancer uh, cannabis solutions because you know my mom's in so much pain and, mm. and I was looking for things that could be better than opiates and um, uh, and of course I couldn't leave the store without getting three sativa joints for ten bucks while right. I was there. It was mm. just like it was basically free and um, <laughs> smoking one on the way home. I was what, what were we talking about? I <laughs> No, I, 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 I remember. Sorry, it's like 11.30 here, and for, for folks listening, yeah. it's like noon. It's like lunchtime where you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, get, I should I get probably. Up really early. Like, I want to I finish, like, this little segment. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm trying to what – were, what, what were we talking about? Gosh. I, I totally lost track. We have to do this sometime when it's late for you and it's early for me because I'm very sharp in the morning. That's when I get all my work done. Yeah, I like to well, get all my stuff done by noon. Do you, Do you have anything? Any final thoughts about if someone's going through practicus and they're and they're uh, coming up against uh, some, you know, where the where the stars have lost their light and the earth well, you know, the light is interesting. not. Would no, you recommend that they invoke what, before what, the the visible image of nature? Yeah, what I think I went through in practicus <laughs> happens from between practicus and portal. Through mm -hmm. like that that period of the red and 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 the well the white and the red work, uh, leading up to the solar initiation of of adeptus, and I've been talking and I've been chatting with some people who have like sort of self initiated up to portal. And I know you did a whole episode on your podcast, which for my listeners is the Esoteric Nerd podcast. You should check it out um, on portal problems. And portal is one of those great. See if you could self initiate to a certain point, if you can. I think portal is where you're going to run into problems mm. because, because it's one of those walls. And um, so he was describing what he's been going through now that he's used a book, which is one of the new self-initiation books that's out there. And it's all based around building the body of light and doing a lot of, you know, five, six inner order rituals in the very first stages. And that's fine. So, but he hit this point where basically it was like he, he was documenting a lot of it on YouTube for people. And he hit a point where he came out and was like, basically, I've hit this point. I don't even know what I'm doing. Um, I, I, I think I've lost, I think he'd lost his job or something. And he has to like move in with his parents. He's not going to be posting videos or doing anything for a while. And this is someone so like, imagine you bust ass at an independent initiatory self-initiation system you're doing all this ritual work you're imagining just just imagine you're doing all this stuff and you think you're gonna become this enlightened being or at least someone who has their shit together which is what we all do but then of course the nature of portal and every real initiation is that it is it that it tears you apart to an extent to put you back together again and yeah. so to me when i heard him say that that was like okay now i believe you've actually initiated yourself solo into mm -hmm. portal when you describe these problems now that sounds like someone who's actually in that that oh he he had come from he, he had come from our same group up in chicago uh but he uh well yeah your guy did and yeah my yeah, guy, yeah the guy i'm oh, talking about oh, is so different I but see. they both they they what your guy told you is what this guy i found on youtube who's mm. who's i've invited him he and i are in touch i've invited him to because like if I can help anyone, I will. Like that's one yeah. thing I'll do. 
Um, and it's the, their, their issues are so similar. I was like really struck by the similarity mm. and also by the, just the struggle that we all sort of seem to hit in portal where it's like, where am I going? What am I doing with this? Mm. What's it, what am I, have I actually gotten out of this? Because your life, I don't know. Well, I'm at a loss for words, but maybe you can give some insight if you have any into the mysteries of going from that, lesser circulation to that greater circulation from from like what do you think becoming gaining knowledge and conversation with your holy guardian angel is what is it to discover a flicker of the true self or at least enough that you can find out what your motto or name should be to represent your adept self hmm. like what is that journey what was it for you what is it for all of us that's these are the big questions that i think people really want to ask because no one wants to just do a bunch of shit and practice rituals for years and then end up with nothing or less than they started with they want to actually get to a place where they have that like there's there's commonalities and similarities that people see in adepts and that's the thing that people are after and like marcel always told me our job is to make adepts if you get to be there that's your job and part of our five equals six vow if you've actually comparing that to the neophyte vow that we take and vows are a powerful thing if you want to talk about actual powerful magic let's talk about vow the vow element of initiations but in the five six vow we vow as adepts to always help teach the students and members of the Golden Dawn. And that's one of the major reasons I'm doing what I'm doing. Because no matter what, I took that vow and that's something that I can do is help people learn and practice the Golden Dawn system mm -hmm. for their own spiritual growth. And I, I take that very seriously. Yeah. And that sort of trumps some of the other vows that we were talking about before that might seem to be like, oh, don't share your experience of doing this ritual. Just let people fumble around in the dark with like some half-baked books about it. And that's where like, we're like, you and me both agree. That's ridiculous. If I can share some insights on how to do these yeah. rituals and pursue your spiritual path in a way that actually makes a difference in your daily life, let alone the course of your, your whole soul, then I should. And we, that's actually a part of our oaths as adeptus. Mm. Right. So what's the higher yeah. self? What's the Holy guardian angel? What's it mean to you? What, what did you get out of it? Why should other people even bother with all of this mm. chanting and vibrating and symbolism and meditation? Well, for me, I would say, I mean, two, two things. One is a disclaimer that I'm, I, 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 I don't pretend to know the answer to the question. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, I could, say, I could say, well, you know, when you get to about 40 and you finally get that inheritance and you can stop having to run in the rat race, but that's kind of com coming from a very privileged and specific position. So, so if I were to mistake that for having any kind of mastery that was of my own making, um, then I would be a fool. Uh, that said, I, I, I got to a place where higher self, and I, I, I started to use the, the phrase true self. Uh, That's what I like. That's my yeah, yeah. Thomas Merton uses that. Because it's not inner, it's not outer, it's not higher, it's not lower. It's, uh, it's, it's just the unmistaken one. It's the one that's not all wrapped up in knots. You know, I like in, that. In a person, mistaken one. Yeah, the That's in a personality beautiful. or an ego or, or a uh, us versus them kind of or a, or a I've got to live this life or I've got to do this or I got to do that or I I I've got to not do that or I I desire to not desire anymore. All of that sort of monkey chatter stuff is not the self, 
and then the self is behind that. So if a person says me and they mean who it is on their driver's license and the face looking back at them in the mirror, then that's not it. The true self is underneath that or it's behind that or it's above that or whatever you'd like to put it in uh, met metaphorical geographic uh, relative, uh, you know, spatial relationships. But uh, uh, yeah, so getting, getting, getting underneath that, silence can really help. Sometimes noise helps. It doesn't, sometimes a combination helps. Uh, devotion can help, but it's not for everybody. Uh, you know, whether it be Krishna or Jesus or Shiva or whatever, like getting down on your knees and opening your heart and, and, and having tears come to your eyes when you, when you open up to uh, an archetype or, or a, a divinity of some kind helps. Um, uh, knowledge helps. Uh, and... Uh, you know, and, 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 and having, having good relations with others, you know, uh, certainly helps. So for some people, isolation, you know, gets it. I, I, I don't know. I think it's like fasting. Going through a period of isolation can help. Even if it's half an hour saying, you know, I, don't disturb me for half an hour. I'm going to meditate. That can be enough. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, that's all I've got, really. I don't pretend to have... Uh, to have an answer to that one um i just i like to put on the dress and uh, <laughs> you know <clears throat> that's how i do it i mean i i get in touch with jesus in within me uh with yeshua mihi omnia with uh the the one true self of the universe um and to me it's like an it's like a superhero kind of vision of of the vault and all the lights going through the heart and from there, I've been able to do some effective healing. Do I recommend that for everyone? No. I mean, like, like you said, like when someone asked me to explain the Rose Cross to them, I had to explain that you go through years hearing about rumors of it, and then you, then you are allowed to know that it exists, but you're not allowed to talk about it. And then they get, you get locked in a box for two days, and then they strap you to a cross and whip you. And then, then you get to learn about the Rose Cross. It has a certain, it could have been a, it could have been an upside down frog, you know, <laughs> with a, with a, with a purple napkin. And it would have, you know, like then, then I would now have the healing power of the upside down frog with the purple napkin. Um, but it, ha it but it happens to be the rose cross, which is a very primal symbol. It, it's got the, the the linear and the circular. It's it's got the the, the, the dimensions. It's got the, uh, you know, there's so much about it to love. A lot, I, of, the, lot of universal symbolism, including like the Monus hieroglyphica of John Dee embedded within it. Yeah, and the rose of Sharon, and the the bride and and groom of of the songs of Solomon, and and that kind of brings in all all the Sufi literature can kind of is kind of like a growth off to the side of that one um so well the and, and he went the... to damascus and they he went to damascus and they named him rose rose rosicrucian you know christian rosencruz so it's it's fascinating to reflect on that yeah yeah i mean i mean the union the idea of the union of the micro and ma macro prosopus mm. or, or eric and zaur and pin as we have it in the kabbalah Mm. Um, and the theories around how that happens ritually and alchemically in the Golden Dawn tradition. And these are writings that people are usually less familiar with. Also, the writings that I can't imagine. Every time I reread these instructionals from the original order, 
when I read them, I can't imagine them actually making sense to me before I went through all of what I went through. Like, mm -hmm. there's something about just, you have to have walked the path to, to see their relevance. And then you get these insights. But also, I think it comes down to a fundamental mysticism of the true self, like, like you said, right? You know, putting together the puzzle pieces of who you are to such an extent that you not only know what you have to do in this life, but even if you don't want to do it, you're just going to do it because that's what you're meant to do. And that's what I, how I see the great work, mm. you know, I don't know. Mm. Yeah. Well, certainly it's different for, for everybody. I'd say, you know, there's certain universals and then, uh, and then each person has their kind of key and lock their, their in the relationship between micro and macro and uh there's like we have to reach a bit and uh, at least as much as adam on, on the sistine chapel you know we have to at least extend our wrists slightly and uh and then the higher or the true or the macrocosmic being or self can uh can do the rest of the reaching and and then at a certain point you know there's levels of an of gnosis and and uh I mean, it, eventually it leads somewhere. I don't think it leads to shooting bullets out of, you know, when people have expectations that they have to be let down, you know, like having superpowers or something. Yeah. Um, there's definitely powers. I don't think they're super. I think they're very human. Yeah, natural powers. Yeah. But we'll talk about... Uh, that another time perhaps yeah i think there's a last could you, could you leave people maybe with a an idea of like a lot of people are overwhelmed by the sheer overwhelming amount of ritual practices that are competing for their attention what are one of or some of the main ritual practices from the hermetic tradition that you think are really worth get, taking seriously or that are maybe overlooked or something like that well, one thing that I want to get back into is a self, a self conduct, a self conducted mass. Um, I was thinking of because I, th <laughs> I think I have a PDF just, of the old second order mass. Bro, and, uh, I just, I just. Okay, sorry, you finish. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You remember the old second order mass, or at least uh, scripts of it. Uh, people yeah. Talking so about I it. just, I just bought a bunch of Brasso. Oh, and nice. was polishing my chalice and the patent for the bread and salt. Yeah. And I've, because, uh, because I didn't have my, those tools, I've been using substitute tools for the last few years. But for me, what I, the way, what I've always called it is the Assyrian Eucharist. Yeah. And I actually just found a bunch of old documents of ours that were altered um, based on what, uh, you know, TDL and, and we at Tehuti had done and then taken by Martin and rewritten with Zaleski, Pat Zaleski's supervision, and then put out for his Horus Temple in Montreal. And uh, I like our version, but I'm, I've got a, I've got a, a hybrid version mm. coming together of that second order, inner order, master, <clears throat> Assyrian Eucharist. And I'll send it to you and see what you oh, think. Nice. Because there's a lot of different ways to do it. But essentially, the Eucharist, as we know it from the neophyte initiation, that is definitely the, especially as a priest, the cornerstone of my ritual practice. Mm. So I do all my rituals, but then it's about partaking of the four elements 
yeah. through the body of, of Osiris and Ophrys and those invocations, the invocation of the higher genius and all of that, that is my central ritual work and including a bit of Bornless stuff and all that. And of course, yeah. the inner vault. Yeah, exactly. For me, the, the my personal work, it requires a lot of explanation, of course, you know, uh, for like I wouldn't for you. You remember premise 14? Yeah. The, with the, with the Typhirate square on each of the seven walls as from, from inside the column. That's what I do. I call it the ritual of the seven Typhirates. Cause if I call it premise 14, people have no idea what I'm talking about. I don't, I don't, I think this is the first time that any, anyone has said, referred to the premises. <laughs> uh, that's something that even I, even the heretical soul within my heart, would not uh, share. But you're well, I, I, you're I, even I, more heretical than me. So <laughs> let it rip, baby. I wrote Tell the them S2. about all the thirty-two premises. Right. No, I, I wrote the S two based on the premise fourteen, and the S two became a, a ritual that everybody in the outer did. Um, well, you have to send me that. Oh yeah, yeah. And it's it's sort of like the same thing, but with archangels or in, with with angels and a cauldron. So like you dump all your <laughs> you dump all your indigo energy into a cauldron, and then you turn around and face uh, Cassiel, and you you get a, a an influx of pure, you know, uh, untainted, you know, divine. Uh, but Saturn, indigo, you get, you get your, your indigo fuel change, like oil change. And then uh, Sahiel, you get the, or, you know, the purple oil change and, and uh, Zamael, the red one and so on and so forth. So, so it's like a slow earthy version of the uh, premise 14. But, uh, but for people who understand it, people who, who know about energetic working in the vault already, then uh, it's just basically uh, connecting with the the dot inside the rose above, the dot inside the rose below, the dot inside the rose within, and making a column. And it's almost like a kundalini, you know, like the the energy circulating with the with the bandhas. Like you can get yogic about it, um, but it's like for me, it's a gold and pink column. And then from there, from the inner rose cross, connecting with the Typhira squares of each of the seven walls in whatever way works. And of course, they all have their own in individual interesting colors. So it ends up being a very interestingly colored flower. Um, and that's where I do my healing work from. Then I, I, I mean, I, I either oh, do course. that, I do that as another person or I do that, you know, for another person. And, uh, and then sometimes for myself. And I, that's the, really the only healing work I do. I'm not interested in Reiki, Reiki or, uh, or, no, or, or that. After learning what we learned, man, yeah. there's nothing else has ever interested me at all. Yeah. <laughs> not at all. Yeah. So I, I, so I, I skip to that. I do things. LBRP, BRH, you know, middle pillar, uh, uh, adoration, invocation, and then uh, Rose Cross. And, uh, and then that, what I, you know, Seven <laughs> seven and then that's it. And then final release. That's pretty much all I do. I would say I focused on a different premise for my most powerful techniques, mm. along with things like <clears throat> the beak and stuff. And uh, the, the premises, I've used them in situations where... You can beak like a sewing machine. Found, and, oh. <laughs> well, these are what the Indian tradition would all call cities, right? That's what they would call these is cities. Yeah. Powers, they're powers. And like Dion Fortune says is you, you can't rise up the tree of life by focusing on the powers because the powers pertain to Yachin and Boaz 
the pillars of force and form. That's where you find the powers is mm. in the side spherot, in the mm. side sephiroth. Like the, the lotus the, rising up uh, yeah. gets distracted by the occult powers fish. Yeah, you can't. You have to focus on that middle pillar of consciousness and then the powers, they come as they come. But if mm. you focus on the powers, you end up getting corrupted and afflicted. And like the Christians say, you know, and this is my, my methodology is to, you know, afflict the comfortable and, and comfort the afflicted and try and help everyone raise their consciousness a little bit. And along the way, yeah, a few powers might come that have real drastic effects in the world around you. You can glitch that matrix out in certain ways uh, to the extent that other people will notice it and be um, astounded by the wonders like, like Jesus himself would say. Mm. Um, you know, for what powers I have, you will have greater than these. Mm. And that is, that is the Rosicrucian tradition. And uh, I have actually a lot more to say on this, but like, hey, we're also, well, there's, there's always next time, right, bro? Yeah, for sure. I mean, God, I, uh, I can't believe that we actually got to talk and do this. I know this is going to sh send shockwaves through the <laughs> magical occult world of, and all those Wiccans who don't know what we're talking about. They'll be like, you're all snooty and like memorizing Hebrew and Kabbalah. It's like, yes, we are snooty. I'm, I'm just joking. I've, I've finished like a bottle of wine. So what can I say? It's bedtime. It's time to watch some Shit's Creek and pass out. Um, right. Oh, wow. Hey, dude, if we can actually, let's just talk for 10 more minutes. We'll hit the three hour mark and then I will love you forever. Yeah, sure. No problem. All right. Okay. Tell me the craziest thing that's happened to you recently. Oh, man. The craziest thing. Um the craziest do you have any covid stories can i ask you a question like yeah. let me ask you a conspiracy theory question sure i've been asking this of people and shocked by the results have you known anyone since february or march that's gotten the flu or even gotten a cold um i think that pu had a fever for a little while and took something for it and it went away but it wasn't covid um, well, I mean, uh, old high school friends and stuff on Facebook, but I mean, I, we, I don't really, we don't, you know, hang out with a lot of people um, yeah. here locally. There's a theory going around that, of course, like we're being poisoned and that other diseases are being held back and stuff. I don't know. There's mm. a lot of stuff going around, man. I don't know what to think. I'm praying, I'm praying that, that this is all about aliens and they'll show up because I never believed in aliens, actually, mm. you know, or ghosts. Mm. Um, but there's been a lot of new developments in what we know about science and reality and history. It's honestly, I think it's the dog face demons. It's the, the, it's the Omega point, Tellier Desjardins Omega point on the dog face demons, uh, battling it out again. Um, like in, uh, the galactic days of your, you think so? A little bit. <laughs> well, <clears throat> yeah, like, uh, I, cause I remember I thought when I, like a lot of people, you know, were so optimistic when the internet was new that, uh, wow, now we're going to be able to exchange knowledge with everyone in the world and find out we're all just alike and, and, uh, you know, uh, some kind of internal revolutions, you know, uh, this kind of thing. But then, uh, it ends up looking really bizarre and allowing for, for subgroups of any kind, I mean, that's the thing is it's a positive and it's a negative. So on one hand, 
occult groups or Dungeons and Dragons or, you know, uh, uh, trance or, you know, in any, like, if you're the only quote unquote weirdo of whatever kind in your high school, you can connect with 10,000 people just like you, whether it's incel or uh, conspirituality or, you know, whatever incel. it is. Uh, yeah. I'm, I don't know what an incel is, man. I People are always calling me, like, people are always saying things like cis and incel to me. And I'm like, what are these words you are making up? I do Involuntary celibate. It's the people who blow Who's up that? malls. It's children who blow up malls it's... in the name of girls not wanting to sleep with them or something. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's weird. And then the uh, cis, cis is when you're, uh, when you're, a he or when you're like not, hate speech. when you're not trans, I think, right? when you're when you're so when you identify like, with the gender of your gene of your chromosomes you're, you're basically cis. so if you identify with the gender that you're born as or look like yeah you're just basically a cyst on the evolving body of humanity oh it's you're just cis from, yeah. from no you're a cyst i'm changing it <laughs> oh. you're a cyst because crowley Alistair Crowley had this vision of the ad androgene future of humanity. Mm. And if you are rejecting it, you're just a, a cyst that needs to be removed. Hmm. I don't know. I'm talking shit. What would be more interesting to talk about is you're, you're discovering the trend of D&D, &D, which I really, I found out was happening. Like I, oh, I've, yeah. I've dabbled here and there, but so I've been recruited to now run a fifth edition game, which I've never run fifth edition um, so they're going to have to help me out with the new rules, mm. but any chance to roll a D20 is, is a good thing in my opinion. Yeah. So I'll be doing that twice a month with some, a socially distanced group here. Um, and what are you doing? Are you, are you, are you going to play some Dungeons and Dragons, man? Well, right now I'm just uh, learning and, and getting all the stuff that you're supposed to have, you know, that if you want to be a, a, a DM, I mean, I'm, I'm a wannabe DM. I, I, I'm DM poser core. Like I, I like Dude. to buy D and D stuff and set them up there's, as if I did anything. Yeah. There's, there's, there's online platforms like roll 20. Mm. We, we could do a monthly like adept D and D game on roll 20 <laughs> and we could do some D and D once a month. I don't know. I resist anything that's scheduled. <laughs> I know you do, baby. You're, you're a Virgo. <laughs> you're, you're a child of Mercury and, uh, and but right now, that. I right now I'm just learning. If I learn this and then learn Hindi, then then at a certain point I could I could start doing. Uh, but otherwise, I can do I can do games for of course for people who speak fluent English. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I I'm an I'm an aspiring DM. But and there was I a, think you you can make more money I think as a DM online these days than doing most things. Mm, yeah. Yeah, it's your new career path. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yoga, DM yoga. D well, that's yoga. You're, you're getting into it. I've always loved telling stories. I think telling stories in an interactive format with people. I used to do it in improv acting or Dungeons and Dragons or, or any role playing games or, you know, and that's why I think initiation and ritual magic appealed me to, to me so much is because the art of psychodrama of, mm. or storytelling that changes the people, even if they're doing it through a character it's just so powerful and something that we've we we're missing in our culture for some reason yeah disney shouldn't have the the only uh, right to shape people's mind with uh, imagery and well-delivered lines well 
Disney's hit or miss with the well-delivered lines. If you, <laughs> but every once in a while, they've got the music that you know when people used to go to the theater back in the day. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, Good time. So, are you are you going to make a D and D character? I can't believe you and me are talking about D and D publicly, but that's great. Fuck it. At what some are you gonna point, make? are you going to be a point. barbarian? Are you going to be a rogue? Are you going to be a gay? Probably a rogue at first. BDSM thief. <laughs> Probably a maybe a something weird like a rogue half elf that hit the humans don't like him because he's part elf and the elves don't like him because he's part human, and uh, and so he uh, or a ranger. No, I won't. Rangers are great. Rangers yeah, are super yeah. Fun. And uh, but maybe uh, uh, neutral-ish like. Uh, chaotic neutral or or um well i don't know i should probably start with uh say like lawful neutral or or lawful good or something my favorite games are always the ones where where people start really at first level hardcore and they don't even really know what their class is they have a class but they are like in a village or some shit and their dad just gets killed mm. and then like some people are passing through town and they're like okay i guess you can come with us and that way you're like you know if anyone hits you you might die so you're really on edge you really have to focus on storytelling and character interaction mm. because you can't just go hack and slash or you're going to get slaughtered in two seconds right. you know yeah so the stories that force you to figure out social strategies are really fun and then of course once you get good at that and get more powerful then you can handle bigger enemies and threats and challenges. But in the beginning, it's really fun to focus on that, that narrative journey of how a nobody becomes a somebody. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. My, my two cents. Yeah. From as reading as that, veteran. the DM book, I'm, I'm getting to see how the structure applies to so much, so many shows, you know, uh, there was that recent one with the new Merlin, but it was a female Faye that was the star. I forget the name of it. Cursed. Uh, that yeah, the cursed was something straight out of D and D, you know, like with the paladins and the all kinds of stuff. Oh yeah, I, don't, I sort of sort of know. I don't know. You know what you need to read is my favorite new novel of the last ten years, which is, or twelve years is Patrick Rothfuss's Name of the Wind. Mm. I mean, the book's basically written about a fantasy version of me, so I relate. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> but no, no, it's actually just a really great book, and it's won awards for a reason. Check that out, Name of the Wind. Okay. Um, the, way, the way they do magic is really, really interesting. Um, anyway, that's my yeah. two cents. And yes, one day we'll play D&D together in India. In sure, Goa. you can teach me, actually. If you've, if you've done it before, I'd be, I'd be glad if you would show me the ropes. Or you can lead a uh, game I've done it before. where where yeah. I've where I, I I can be your one player, and you can lead <laughs> lead me on a mini adventure, dude. Dude, me and Daniel before he joined the Golden Dawn and and took over Temple Tudi and fucked up Frater Yeshi's order. He and I would just spend three four days straight, and o over six months or a year, we would play campaigns with just the two of us, with a character each, and one taking turns DMing that would last like. Nice. We'd go on hundreds, hundreds, and hundreds of hours. Like we'd, we'd get up to level thirty um, over the course of a couple of years with just the same two characters. Wow! And uh, yeah, you get really into it in a, in a serious way. And like you know, it, it was actually always funny. We couldn't like you know, a parent would come in to ask if they could make us food because you know, lucky us. 
but we would just stare at them and like barely say a word like nope fine thanks and they're like they'd watch us and we'd be like what are you doing here but even at that young age i re remember feeling like we were in a bubble like an egregore of this energy and thought world and we it's like we barely saw each other we yeah. were existing in this other plane that was very astral and it was very real and you get to that place of energetic creation that is so powerful that it becomes more real than the real world and I thought that I always retrospected that that was like really good magical training in a way because the imagination is so powerful it can literally overwrite our daily reality hmm. you know what I mean and wow. I don't know magic and, and pen and paper Dungeons and Dragons and role playing and all those games really were sort of the same thing to me because in you know you can play a character that actually is struggling with things that you don't struggle with but that relate or are analogous to things you struggle with and in playing out that story and narrative it's like a form of therapy yeah you know? yeah i think a lot of a lot of people uh, came from dnd into golden dawn but i i, I had yeah. friends who did dnd i never did dnd but i always kind of wanted to but then uh watching stranger things getting girls uh, Pew was really curious about Stranger Things. I mean, about D and D because that was what they were playing in Stranger Things. And so I started buying. I was like, I'm gonna buy for both of us. I'm gonna buy some D and D stuff. But then, like, she eventually made me admit that I was just buying it for myself. <laughs> <laughs> never admit that. No, never admit to your wife that that the gifts that are for her are actually for you, man. That's one on one. Now I'm getting a I'm, I'm getting a chalice from Catholic Supply, and it's a, a gift for both of us. She's like, "Don't say it's a gift for both of us." But when I told her what it was, she she agreed that's a gift for both of us. It'll go on the Jesus shrine. Yeah. Oh man, I can't make to, wait to meet her. She sounds she sounds wonderful, and it sounds like you have a great life going on there. In yeah, it's so going well. Touch wood, as they say here. Knock wood, as we say there. Jesus, <laughs> Well, thanks, man. I guess this is the time to leave it. So I think uh, I'm going to turn this into a two-parter. Uh, so, so you're welcome to do whatever you want with it. You can throw this all in one episode, but I'm going to split it in half and do keep people in suspense for a few days or a week or something. I have so many different names. You could even use a different name on each episode. Yeah, like, uh, oh, you you don't mind your your proper name being used? Well, you know, you could do that, or you could do like outer order motto for one, inner order motto for the other. Who knows? You could have so much fun with it. You could make up a D and D character name for a fictional version of myself for the second part. I think, from a marketing strategist point of view, <laughs> I should I should find a good uh, pithy one liner, you know, for each, uh, you know, that would pique people's interest. Um, and because uh, nobody's interested in Elegant or Edward except for our friends and family, but uh, but the Dark Knight of the Soul for the first one maybe, and then the second one could be something else. I don't know. I'll think of it when I when I'm editing and post. <laughs> you know, let let follow your intuition. Follow mm. your intuition. You know, um, yeah, that's that's all that matters, right? I mean, we're all just a bunch of clowns, sort of like dancing through this illusory realm that we call life in the world, right? And like, what's it really mean at the end of the day? Yeah. Well, it, it just, it, to this day, to this day to me, it doesn't seem like it means anything more than we decide it means. Hmm. So therefore, that doesn't mean it doesn't matter. In fact, it's the opposite. The fact that we get to co-create our reality means that what we choose is absolutely essential, crucial, just the most important 
thing that you could ever imagine mattering in our your reality is the decision of what this reality is going to mean to you in your lifetime like that's that's the whole deal mm. right it's total power make it matter otherwise you're just throwing it away right yeah it's like uh like thinking of the vault symbolism people get stuck in the ceiling they get stuck in the floor sometimes they get stuck in in the walls in between but when you can embody the whole thing and you can go out the top and through into the light of ein Sof, and you can go to to be free to to move and to embody and to shape shift like you said about the heroic dose um that is that is I think a, a good, a worthy uh, goal where getting stuck someplace is sometimes people think that's the goal, like happily ever after being stuck in the ceiling um, or stuck in some particular square, depending on what they think happily, happy means, you know? Um, yeah. I've talked but, about that a lot, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. At the, yeah. Those are my thoughts on something. <laughs> All right, bro. Okay. I love you. Love you I too. miss you. You're, you're, you're beautiful. Oh, thank you. And uh, give my love to your, uh, your wife. Tell her I will come and harass you in India okay. someday soon. <laughs> nice. All right. All right. Have a good All right. uh, shall, night. Shall we invoke, shall we invoke a little light before the end? And I'll, I'll say, I'll say conks. I'll say cabs. Um, pecked. pecked. Conks. Conks. Um. <laughs> <laughs> rather than doing it in the order of we can the do it we officers. can do it good we can do it properly ready we'll just ready? alternate check it out cabs um pecked conks um packs light in extension, extension. we all did right. it yeah oh i should start doing that at the end of all my podcasts I think <laughs> and the listeners yeah. can do it along it's powerful man that's like even jokingly it's powerful so, yeah all right love brother much love. Talk soon. Have a good day. Bye. You too. Thank you, very honored Frater RC, for being our guest today on the Esoteric Nerd Podcast. Special thanks to Susumu Ueda and his father and uh, the other monks at Jofukulin Temple on Mount Koyasan for the music that you're hearing right now. It's the same track as uh, the beginning of the episode. Thank you to Camille and Kennerly for the uh, harp intro and outro to the episode. And most importantly, thank you to you, the esoteric nerd listening to this podcast. Go forth in love, truth, and knowledge. Cobbs on pecked, conks on packs, light in extension. In this darkly splendid world I went to make my way one day Through the dark night like a child I set out to find the one true way On the forest too damn long By the Abbey Agnes mountainside Woke up
to the golden dawn And to tell this die I learned to cry And when all the phantoms vanish And I see the formless fire As we dance within the moonlight Naked in nature's empire In the vault of light I heard The whisperings of some god unknown Like a lover's gentle word I knew that it was time now to atone For the sweethearts that I wronged For the sorrows of Isis who seeks for the kisses that belong Upon only one true lover's cheek And when all the phantoms vanish and I see the formless fire As we dance within the moonlight naked in nature's empire Into darkness we must go To initiate all we can be My true will I must know Open your eyes now and come with me For the sweat our body share For the wine and bread your body is Please my story know I care Aphrodite goddess you're my bliss And when all the phantoms vanish And I see the formless fire as we dance within the moonlight, naked in nature's empire And old Enoch rose above, but he had not yet seen your face Now I'm trapped between your love, and the other side filled up with grace So let's dance into the night, round the fire of our passion's flame This truth we cannot fight, we cannot deny our lover's name And when all the phantoms vanish and I see the formless fire As we dance within the moonlight naked in nature's empire Stoop not down into that darkly splendid world wherein continually lies a faithless depth and Hades wrapped in clouds, delighting in unintelligible images, precipitous, winding, a black ever-rolling abyss, ever-espousing a body unluminous, formless, and void. Nature persuadeth us that there are pure demons, 
and that even the evil germs of matter may alike become useful and good. But these are mysteries which are evolved in the profound abyss of the mind. Such a fire existeth, extending through the rushings of air, or even a fire formless whence cometh the image of a voice, or even a flashing light, abounding, revolving, whirling forth, crying aloud. Also there is the vision of the fire flashing courser of light, or also a child born aloft on the shoulders of the celestial steed, fiery or clothed with gold, or naked, or shooting with the bow, shafts of light, and standing on the shoulders of a horse. But if thy meditation prolongeth itself, thou shalt unite all these symbols 